This is the Music Vibes Podcast, sponsored by Neat 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 Records and Music, located at 1836 South Calhoun Street in downtown Fort Wayne. Neat 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 stocks LPs and CDs across all genres and is an authorized dealer of Ortofone, Audio-Technica, Emotiva, Wharfdale, Project, and more. Please visit NeatNeatNeatRecords.com for more information. On this week's edition, I'm going to be joined by a legendary guitarist who's celebrating 50 years in the music business. I'm going to be joined by Uli John Roth. He became famous mostly as the Scorpions' lead guitarist, and you may know the Scorpions for this song. Now, Uli was not with the group during this song, but he was with the Scorpions during the early days when they were kind of, you know, finding themselves commercially. And Uli did end up leaving the group um, right before they hit the big commercial success with that song. Um, he just kind of wanted and we're going to talk a little bit about that, you know, how he wanted to be a little bit more free with his music. He wanted to write songs on his own and things like that. So Uli went off on his own and he's now celebrating 50 years in the music business. He went on to start. He came up with the group Electric Sun, um, which was his pretty much intro to being solo i guess he got to be a lot more free with his music and uh today's still touring he has a matter of fact he has a tour date tonight in pennsylvania um he does have a day coming up this sunday i'm gonna drop that on him because i know a lot of guys in the music business do not have a lot of days off and they probably don't even know they have the day off until the day of so i'm gonna probably throw that in there so we can maybe you know maybe make some plans and uh hang out a little bit on his day off coming up this sunday but yeah we're pretty much gonna revisit his days with the scorpions and talk about you know his solo career get into some of that and just reflect on some of his influences and things like that so uli john roth is going to be joining us here before we get started be sure to subscribe rate and review this podcast iTunes, Google Play, everywhere podcasts are available. Make us one of your favorites by subscribing to keep up to date with this podcast. So he became, this is someone I've been listening to for a while, and that's why I was pretty pretty excited to do this interview. Now, a lot of people um, in my age group may not know who he is. You probably know of the Scorpions, don't know a lot of songs, but this is why you're here today. You're listening, you're going to learn a lot about him today. He's one of the legendary guitarists that we have in the music business. So hopefully you guys learn a little something today. And he's also one of my favorites because I know he's a big one of his big influences is Jimi Hendrix, and obviously that is very important to me as well. Um, he even I was listening to the Tokyo Tapes, which is a live set that he has, and he did a couple Jimmy songs in there. So let, I'm going to play this is a little snippet of Uli playing a little bit of All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> Yeah, sounds pretty good. I thought it was pretty killer. Uh, so, and he also he ended up finishing the show and the set with "Little Wing" by Jimi Hendrix. Here's a little snippet of that. Absolutely love it. I love it. Love the Jimmy vibes coming from Uli. And 
and glad to have him now. Here's Uli John Roth joining us here on the podcast today to help reflect on some of the early days. Uli, thanks for joining. I really appreciate it. Hey, this is Uli. Hey, Uli, this is DC Hendricks. How you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> Why are you called Hendricks? Are you related? That's my last name. I think we are. And yeah, it's not. It's not a very common name. No, it's not. So yeah, everyone. That's always everyone's first question. I love it. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, this is totally obvious. <laughs> Sorry for being so so blatant. You know. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. That means this is going to go well. So let, let's start off with this, okay? So pretty much what I do on here when I'm celebrating, you know, someone that's been in the music business and the industry so long and has been at the top of their game for so long. Hell, you have a show tonight, <laughs> so. I mean, every night, every every night you are in town. I think you're in Pennsylvania tonight. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Sellersville, Pennsylvania at the Sellersville Theater. Yeah, I love it. So you got you actually have a day off coming up Sunday. Any special plans? Oh, uh, I wasn't aware that we had a day off. And if if so, um, <laughs> I'll find something. Believe me. Usually, I just you know I just kick back and uh, do. <laughs> Do my emails and then take a long walk, you know. I mean love it. Nothing nothing too outrageous, you know. <laughs> and on a tour like that you have to conserve your energy because there is only a finite amount and um, we're working all the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you definitely deserve it as you have a brutal schedule coming up on this tour. You're celebrating fifty years. So we got a lot to get to here. So let's start with the early days, all right? This is where I start and I kinda make my way up to now. Um, so going back to your early days and how you got started, but even before joining the Scorpions, which is how a lot of people may know you, but that's not how things got started for you. So kind of revisit the way things got started for Uli John Roth. Well, you know, um, even before Don wrote, there were, there were other bands, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I started playing in, in 68 and that's also when I had my first show. And my first band's name was actually Blue Infinity. Oh. Yeah, Blue Infinity. And um, then we had a couple of different incarnations, including uh, a band called Blues Company, Hanover. (laughs) What a title. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but um, from then, in 1972, uh, we started Dawn Road. Mm -hmm. And... um, Dawn Road uh, was basically a precursor or the the bridge that led into the Scorpions. Yeah, so how did everything, you know, come to fruition with the Scorpions? Because I believe some of you guys from Dawn Road even, you know, kind of merged with the Scorpions. Yeah, um, very much so. You see, uh, Dawn Road was a four-piece band, mm-hmm. and we we were playing what you might consider um, progressive rock. You know, whatever that means, but uh, <laughs> that's what it was called at that time, I guess. The Scorpions were already going strong as a professional band, whereas we were amateurs. We were basically all in, still in high school, you know. And so um, <clears throat> Dawn Road was our thing. But um, Michael Schenker was in the Scorpions, mm-hmm. and um, the Scorpions did a tour with the, uh, the English band UFO. Now, UFO lost their guitar players, so they swiped Michael Schenker. And that was, for, that was basically then the end of the Scorpions. The Scorpions split up. Mm-hmm. But um, there was one more show to play, and Rudolf Schenker called me and asked me to play that one show, which I did. And I really enjoyed um, the company of Rudolf and Klaus 
Um, and so I, I invited Rudolf to come to some Dawn Road rehearsals. Yeah. And Rudolf was the only remaining member of the Scorpions by then, because the band had completely disbanded. And he came to the rehearsals, you know, for a couple of months, and he started to join the proceedings. And then when it came to um, the question of how to go into the future, Scorpions actually already had um, uh, an outstanding uh, record deal, mm-hmm. and it was a no-brainer. We called it Scorpions, you know, and uh, started writing songs in, in that style, you know, both Rudolf and, and Klaus and myself. Absolutely. That was really the beginning, but uh, all four members of Scorpions were, of Dawn Road, became part of the Scorpions, and uh, Rudolf, and then later on, Klaus also came back into the fold, you know. Ah. So from then on, from 1973 on, we were the Scorpions. In your time with the Scorpions, you did five albums, correct? Yeah, we okay. did four studio albums and, and Tokyo Tapes, which was live. Yeah, and I, I remember uh, I kind of gave I gave a few of the albums a spin here before I brought you on. And so, in trance, let's kind of revisit that one. Why? my personal favorites in your tenure with the scorpions that was released back in 75 i believe let's kind of revisit that and kind of go back into the studio with you guys time travel so to speak you see we did uh literally one album every year and we tended to record it in the summer mm-hmm. i mean that got established uh when, when there was a lot in the touring because we were already touring a lot Mm-hmm. That got established early on. The only album that we didn't record in the summer was the very first one, which was Flight of the Rainbow, mm-hmm. which was recorded in April. But um, from in trance onwards, it was a summer production, you know, like June, July. Um, I remember we were like in the studio for 14 days wow. uh, recording. Uh, yeah, back then it was quick. The first album was even faster. It was seven days. <laughs> And they got consecutively more extensive, you know, the recordings. But in trance was was done quite swiftly. Although we we did make a demo recording beforehand for the album, just to uh, clarify things, mm-hmm. and that was helpful. <laughs> yeah, we had a, a new producer from then on. That, that was Dieter Dirks, who was a very good producer. And he helped shape the um, the sound of the albums. Although the sound was pretty much what we sounded like, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you put a microphone in front of the the uh, equipment, and then the rest was pretty rough and raw. I, I think it was yeah. just we were just trying to capture the the emotion of the moment, you know. And then that album became uh, quite successful and uh, also abroad in France mm-hmm. and in England. So we started picking up um, audiences in, in those countries. And then we started touring those countries, you know, extensively. And, um, yeah, and, you know, and every album gained more momentum. The third album, which was uh, Virgin Killer, yeah. started to 
it went gold in in Japan. That was a surprise for us. <laughs> And eventually, that brought us to to Japan. You know, a couple of years later. Yeah, and I gave that. That was the other one. That was the other one I gave a spin. Now, this was your. I, I believe this was from your solo tour, though. The one I listened to. Tokyo tapes. Right? Yeah, yeah, the Tokyo yeah. tapes. Yeah, yeah, that was the one I revisited earlier today, and I, I got to get my hands on that set. I think you just released that last year. I need to get my hands on that set. I absolutely love that. So you did, and in this set, you did a couple Jimmy songs. I can't help, but uh, was he one of your big influences coming up? Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, I was I was um, the ultimate Hendrix fan, you know, particularly when I was younger. I I still love Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. um, and I always will. Absolutely. But back then, it was almost like an infatuation, you know. I learned so much from the man yeah. on um, not just guitar playing-wise, but also artistically speaking, and, and you know, and he had a spiritual message which most of the contemporaries didn't really have, you know. Absolutely. Uh, except for Bob Dylan, maybe. And so, yeah, he was hugely influential. And we always play one or two Henrik songs as, um, you know, just to to round off the evening to make it more complete because they're extra special. I love it. Gotta love it. And you are, so I wanted to ask you this because I didn't, you know, usually when I get ready for an interview and I see that someone was no longer with the group, like you left the Scorpions or how whatever happened, what exactly happened? Did you just feel like, you know, you were ready for something new? Because I know you went with Electric Sun after that. What, are you able to go into exactly what happened? Yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was actually uh, quite straightforward, you know, because, yeah, the truth was simply that my time in that band was up. Uh-huh. You know, everything has a natural body clock, mm-hmm. and mine had expired. Uh-huh. And the way I was able to come to that conclusion was also quite simple. I started writing songs that had no place in the Scorpions, you know, and I didn't even bring them to the Scorpions because I knew they wouldn't fit, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, they weren't even songs. They were more like musical journeys, and that was what what I wanted to do mm-hmm. at that time. So I, the obvious conclusion for me was that I had to leave the band in order to be uh, musically more free, um, you know, because uh, Scorpions was increasingly a, a com- more commercial framework, you yeah. know, that's why they became so successful. Yeah. And we could have, theoretically stayed in that commercial framework, I don't think I would have been very happy, you know, and um, no matter how much money you make, you, um, you know, you, you need to do something that is fulfilling. The Scorpions always enjoyed their music, and I enjoyed being in the Scorpions, you know, yeah. Yeah. so that was not an issue at all. It was just that I wanted to spread my wings, I wanted to be able to be really free and i wanted to produce my own albums etc yeah. etc et you know go go the whole hog and, and and that's what i did you know and that's how electric sun came about so electric sun for me was an important period but it was kind of like a middle phase in, in my life you know where i was finding myself um through musical 
adventures, I guess, you know, or with the help of. <laughs> yeah, and you did that because th- that is definitely something I was going to highlight as well, because I've been listening to some of that as well. H- how exactly was the transition? Because I-, I just could only imagine that. I mean, it's a big transition. You know, it's a big decision to make, but you did so well with Electric Sun. As you mentioned, we're able to be more free. But let's kind of dig into the beginning phase of that. You know, Earthquake, which is one of the great albums that you guys released and in the Firewind. Let's kind of revisit those. Yeah, um, I mean, Earthquake was the the very first Electric Sun album, and it was recorded in at the end of 1978. So that was just a few months after Tokyo Tapes, literally. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it was an intense effort. It was all recorded in London at Olympic Studios. Um, in fact, uh, that's an iconic studio which doesn't really exist anymore in the same way. But back then. That studio um, saw a lot of Jimi Hendrix recordings, Led Zeppelin, you know, even the Beatles. Wow. Um, and uh, it was one of the great studios in, in England. I ended up there by kind of almost, well, by default in a way, because we had originally booked into a different studio, Scorpio Sound. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like the sound in there. So. I started literally um, testing um, all the major studios in London by bringing my <laughs> my amplifier, you know, <laughs> check the guitar sounds, uh, including Abbey Road and, and all of the big ones. And that was quite interesting. Um, but I settled for Olympic Studio, which had the best sounding guitar room. You know, Electric Sun was all almost like a solo effort anyways. Right. Anything other than name. Um, because I recorded most of the instruments myself, you know, except for the drums. Uh And um, it was very much my band, you know, and I wrote all the music 100%. Um, It was my record company, EMI, who were the record company for the third Electric Sun album, which was Beyond the Astro Skies, who insisted on having my name on the album. Because I wanted it to be Electric Sun, you know, but they said, no, 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 we need Uli Genre. And I guess ever since then, and, and I gave into that, so that was a hybrid, you know, it came out as Electric Sun and Uli Genre was on the cover. So I, I, I guess I have to thank EMI for turning me into a quote unquote solo artist, you know, because ever since then, it was Uli Genre, although my later project, um, uh, also had like project names like Sky of Avalon, for instance, or Transcendental Sky Guitar. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to ask you about this as well. I wanted to learn a little bit about this. So you also are an inventor and founder. Uh, you're the founder of Sky Academy and the inventor of the Sky Guitar. Kind of talk a little bit about that. Sky Academy is uh, basically um, all to do uh, about teaching. It's um, basically sharing my personal philosophy of music and life, you know, mm-hmm. um, through the eyes of the guitar. Uh, so the guitar is seen as a bridge, but it's not the center focal point mm-hmm. of Sky Academy. And um, we've been doing Sky Academy seminars ever since 2006. Wow. But this year, there aren't any, um, because I wanted to take a hiatus from it, step mm-hmm. back and see you know, what um, the future brings and how I can improve things. Mm-hmm. Regarding the Sky Guitars, that's uh, a totally different um, affair. Uh, sky Guitars are the guitars that I 
um, designed back in the early 80s, hmm. and uh, I've played sky guitars ever since, you know, and um, at some point they became my own, you know, they, they, we went public, and, and or, or we basically made them available, um, and we built sky guitars to order, and now I've got my own little company called UJR Sky Guitars, hmm. which um, sells Sky guitars to order on just on the web, you know. Yeah. For those who really want them and also who can afford them, because they're very, very expensive. <laughs> they're all very hand built. We're not cutting any corners, mm-hmm. and there's a one year waiting list at the moment for anybody who orders a sky guitar. Yeah, that's so cool. And yeah, my, and you did mention that uh, that this year not doing the sky academy and I, I was wondering that because i'm looking at your schedule i'm like man when does he have time to you didn't even know you had a day off sunday you're like oh I, it's I, a little bit of a problem i i sometimes um craving more time to be uh truly creative you know because on the tour it's it's difficult because you you need all your energies to just do what you got to do oh oh yeah um, but you know there there, there will Time will come, and I, w- I will have time to be creative. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and you are doing this tour that you have right now. So, what what are some of the songs? I know I imagine you're doing a little uh, little Scorpions, but for your 50th anniversary tour, what you what are you playing on tour right now? Well, we are um, playing a cross section of of some of the material that uh, was in my repertoire for the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we're playing a best of early Scorpions. Mm-hmm. That's always one of the highlights in the shows for the for the audience. And we're also playing a Best of Electric Sun mm. because it's literally 40 years of Electric Sun anniversary and Electric Sun have not toured the States since 1985. Wow. So that's new and, and that's working very well. The, the audience seems to be loving it. Awesome. Yeah, it's very different music. It's much more demanding to listen to, more intense. Mm-hmm. So we put that into the first half of the set together with, you know, a little bit of Sky of Avalon, Transcendental Sky Guitar, and other things. I'm also playing um, a uh, an acoustic section, like a 15-minute acoustic solo piece on my 8-string nylon sky guitar. So it's a, it's a three-hour show altogether with an intermission and... Um, and we're, we're enjoying it, you know? Damn, yeah, you know? Three, three hours. Yeah, you know what? And, uh, no, it's even more, because for for people who can't get enough, we're doing a pre-show VIP event Ooh. where we're playing the entire entire Metamorphosis Concerto, which I recorded in uh, 2002, I believe, yep. and that's based on Vivaldi's Four Seasons. So um, that is always one of my favorite uh points of the day when we play that because it's it's a big challenge and it's um it's an incredible piece of music all in all it's virtually four hours of playing every night plus a couple of vip events mm-hmm. plus interviews photo sessions you have you name it it's, <laughs> it's quite um yeah, it's quite taxing sometimes. <laughs> it sounds like a hell of a show. I'm not going to lie. But we're enjoying it, you know. I mean, most of the time, I'm not too tired. But there, there were a couple of evenings when uh-huh. <laughs> when I thought, okay, enough <laughs> is enough. You know? 
<laughs> but on the 45-day tour, uh-huh. um, I suppose that's maybe understandable. Absolutely. Yeah. You, but you are, I think you do. Yeah. This summer you got some European dates, but you do have, you're halfway through the United States schedule. And for anyone that's listening, we had, he has a date this Saturday in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, that's probably one of the closest. It's only a couple hour trip. You guys can make that. It sounds like an absolute hell of a show, but I wanted to ask you this before I let you go. If anyone, and I'm going to leave all of that in the description, if anybody wants to make a show, but I wanted to ask you one more thing. So when I have legends and people that have been doing music for so long on this show, I try to pick their brain a little bit. Because I'm a younger guy and I try to get into the music today and it's really hard. So I always ask the people that I have, are you listening to any music today? And if you were promote any artists or bands right now, who would they be in today's music? Um, that's a, a sore point because I get asked this question a lot. Mm-hmm. And I always have a very uninspiring answer, which <laughs> is I'm not really listening um, yeah. because I, I don't have time or patience to listen most of the time because uh-huh. I've got so many other things to um, <laughs> worry about. And most of which I hear doesn't really turn me on that much. Yeah. I have to admit. Yeah, same here. Um, maybe I'm a grumpy old man in terms of music, um, but there are definitely very talented people out there, you know. And uh, every once in a while, I'll hear something that that is uh, that I think is is excellent or exciting. Highly understandable. So, Uli, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm actually gonna. I'm hoping because I'm off Saturday. I'm actually gonna try to hope to make that Cleveland show. People like playing the Agora. Yeah. Cool venue. So yeah, try it. You know that would be cool. Absolutely. Yeah, it was great talking to you today. Good revisiting, you know, some of the classic music and going back into time and time traveling with you today. All right. Enjoy. My my pleasure. Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of your day and have a good show tonight. All right. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Bye bye. Be sure to keep up with the Music Vibes podcast with DC Hendrix presented by Neat 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 Records by subscribing on everywhere podcasts are available. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Radio Public, everywhere podcasts are available. Make us one of your favorites by subscribing and make sure to leave us a review and let me know what you guys are thinking of the Music Vibes podcast. That'll do it for this week. And until next week, everybody, be sure to spread some peace and love. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.